Hello, and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Joe Lala. And I'm Andrea Pearson. And today we're going to be talking about whether it's realistic to hope to earn a passive income as an author, um, how much we all work, I, I think we're all over 10 years into our author career, to maintain or hopefully improve our income each year, and the kinds of things you can do to keep earning income from works that you've already published and completed. And just a little heads up before we get into the show, we have all booked ourselves kind of busy summers now that I think most of us are vaccinated and looking into getting out in the world. So we're going to take a little break from the show. I think Andrew is in the middle of moving and Joe and I are taking trips and I've got family coming up for the summer. So with four dogs in the house, it'll be just easier not to record. So we're going to take a little hiatus this summer and plan to return towards the end of August. And we may, um, we're going to try to get together in Ju July, I think, at least once to do like a Q&A show, a live stream on YouTube. So check into the Facebook group, Six Figure Authors now and then, and we'll let you know like a week in advance uh, when we're planning that. And you can pop in and ask questions when we do that. If if you are interested. Um, in the meantime, before we jump into the main topic, do you guys have any news that you would like to share? I do. Um, so The Bygone Dagger, which is the Greater Land Saga book one, the first book of my new epic fantasy slash gas lamp fantasy uh, uh, series, is now available for pre-order. I deliberated because of the timing of the second book release when I should put it up, and I decided sooner better than later. So it's going to be releasing the day after the second Prime Day. Prime Day is two days, uh, the, the 21st and the 22nd. On the 23rd, mine comes out partially because the expectation that Amazon ads will be cheaper after Prime Day and partially because I didn't know when Prime Day was when I set the, the date. So uh, that's when it's going to be releasing. I'll be releasing at 99 cents and I'm going to be doing an Amazon exclusive. Uh, and I'm going to try something different with this, because, again, because the timing is weird. The second book is, is at the editor right now. I don't have the cover yet. But so relatively quickly after the, the first book releases, the second book is going to be ready but not quickly enough for it to be a rapid release. And book three is not going to be until the end of the year. So I think what I'm going to do is do the standard newsletter, social media, maybe do some Amazon ads for book one, but I'll, I'm going to sort of hold back and do my major release once book two is available for pre-order or when book two releases, because I just feel like having people being able to funnel through the lower price first one and then go straight into the second one is going to be a lot more appealing for a new series. So sort of a hybrid rapid release where only the first two books are rapid. I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be an experiment. Um, but I also feel like, you know, if once book one's been out for a while, I'll have the reviews out. It won't be a new release anymore. It'll give me more options for some of the more traditional promo stuff. So as it stands right now, that's how I'm going to be handling book one and book two of this series. And uh, for some reason, I'm a lot more frazzled about this book release than usual, possibly because my last new new series didn't really work out so well at the end of last year. So uh, hoping this one this one works out well. But if it doesn't, this entire episode's about how you keep the older books selling. So I'll just have to keep doing that. And for me, um, I finished the book, the second book in my new series, completely finished that, sent it off to my editor and I started writing book three things. Things are going slowly, but I'm really happy with the pace. And I've just, I don't know. I'm, I, things are really crazy right now, but I have been finding a way to get writing in. And so it's, I don't, I, I wanted to be at like the book of month phase, but I'm not, I'm at probably three books a year and it's actually working really, really well for me right now. Interesting news about Prime Day. I think you say it's June 23rd, or that's your release is the 23rd. I think it's the 21st and the 22nd are Prime Day this year. All right. I'm going to try to skip those too, I, uh, because I have the second book in my epic fantasy series. Right now, I think I've got it down June 30th or something, the last day of the month, but I have it about ready. So I was thinking of bumping it up a week or so, because um, I didn't have anything in May uh as I've talked about in previous shows, since I'm doing these long epic fantasies that take a little longer to get together than some of my stuff like from last year. I have I did work really hard to get three written and off to my beta readers because like I said, I have family coming to visit and I want to actually take time off this summer and like spend time with people I haven't seen for more than a year. So I, I did give myself I can't just not work for the for the summer. That's not in the DNA. So I gave myself a, a fun summer project. I think I've talked about it a 
little bit on here before, but I'm going to try to write a trilogy of like 60,000 word novels. Knowing me, they'll end up a little longer than that, but I'm trying to make them short. And uh, I figure three together will be less than book two in my epic fantasy series was. And uh, no rush on those. I think I will try to... Uh, kind of rapid release them all together, maybe even between books two and three in the epic fantasy series or between three and four, just to give myself a little time. But some income coming in in between that, uh, these big books that take longer, you know, you get fewer paydays is what it amounts to. It's so somewhat uh, Kindle Unlimited page reads helps, you know, but you still have to get you have to get a lot of people reading them, which, you know, I found that this series didn't really take off from the beginning as quickly as like the one I did last year where I was able to, I feel like the rapid release, if that's something you can do, if you're full time, if you have the time where you just write fast, uh, is pretty effective for somebody that already has somewhat of a fan base. It just seems to really get people excited to jump into a series. Plus you get a nice boost if you're releasing three books, you know, one month after the other, or even some people do weeks after the other. Um, so that's something I enjoy doing. I think I'd rather kind of, I like to like work really hard, get a bunch of stuff out, and then you can kind of coast later on once the series hits its legs, hopefully. Um, but so that's me. I just started actually, I wrote the, while my beta readers have the epic fantasy, I wrote the first 20,000 words of the, uh, what's hopefully a 60,000 word novel. And I'm just like, wow, a novel that could be done in a week, essentially for, you know, I write pretty fast when I do my rough drafts. I, I can do 10,000 words a day. So it's just that. Uh, really nice after like the last epic fantasy 173,000 words and that was down from book two <laughs> so anyways so far it's looking like it'll be fun all right i guess that is it for our news so we can get into our main topic here just kind of we're going to talk about passive income maybe dispel a few myths that people have about authors but also give you some hope you know, in the second half, yes, yes, uh, you can still make money on things you wrote 10 years ago or, or whatever it ends up being 30 years ago, especially as an indie author, you don't have to worry about things ever going out of print. You know, I mean, traditional published authors are going to be the same way, probably uh, going forward, ebooks are going to always be in print unless it's something where they're not selling enough and you can email the publisher and try to get the rights back if they didn't sell however many copies. Although I don't know, you guys have to look at your contracts because these days they seem to really try to you just grab everything that they can get for uh, as long as they can get. Um, so anyway, def definition we'll be working with for passive income stolen from the expert resource of Wikipedia. Passive income is income that requires no effort to earn and maintain. Examples of passive income include rental income and any business activities in which the earner does not material materially participate. Uh, farther down, they also mention royalty income, which is I, what I think most people think of with authors, basically that you're going to write a book or uh, create a body of work once and get paid indefinitely for it. Um, very occasionally that happens <laughs> if something takes off in a big way. Um, but, you know, despite the, the kind of the definitions, there are really very few types of truly passive income. If you're an author, you have to write the books first and basically build up a big name for yourself if you have any expectation of things selling to some extent in perpetuity. If you have rental properties, you have to find tenants and do maintenance. Even if you hire a property manager, that's definitely not 100% passive. I, <laughs> I don't know, but that I would actually put rental income under passive income at all. Um, the only things I would say that are truly passive income are basically getting an interest from a bank account or a bond or dividend in income from stocks or being an investor in a business that someone else runs. Uh, but with all of that, except like your interest income, you're, you're going to need to pay attention to the business and make sure it's not going to hell. And most of this stuff right now is not paying very much. Um, like if you buy an index fund in the S&P 500 right now, which is just about every financial advisor, what they recommend, and it's kind of the only truly mindless thing out there as far as an investment, it's only about a 1.3% uh, yield with dividend stuff right now. So like if you put in a million dollars into a S&P 500 ETF or whatever, you're only earning like 13000 a year on a million dollars invested. So I, I guess I've been talking for five minutes, so I'll stop and see if you guys have any comments on uh, these definitions of passive income. Um, yeah, I mean, many authors have the, it's not, I don't really have comments on the actual definitions, but a lot of authors have crazy expectations that their books will go on selling indefinitely. And I know I did, and I sometimes still do. Um, 
when the Kindle gold rush happened, a lot of authors, I mean, we, a lot of us, we just kind of coasted for a long time on our initial release bumps. And that was, you know, it was exciting and cool and all that. And a lot of people all over the place, I heard so many authors talking about the power of passive, passive income from books. Um, but most, if not all of those books that were part of that original Kindle gold rush, they've died out, including some of the ones that I wrote during that point. Um, despite what we learned from Finding Forrester, if you guys have seen that movie, it's one of my favorite movies, it's impossible to get royalties indefinitely without releasing more books or getting in with the schools, which isn't likely to happen, doing promotions, etc. And just to give people the background on Finding Forrester, it's a, it's a great movie. Sean Connery, is the, this old guy in the book who wrote a book like 30 years earlier. And apparently later on in the movie, you find out that that book is still selling constantly is still being checked out all 20 copies in every library, all that. I'm like, that's so unrealistic. <laughs> so don't expect that to happen to you because it's not gonna, sorry, there's that downer thought for me. <laughs> Finding Forrester is the movie where he says, you're the man now dog. So that, if you need to if you need to bring that to mind, that's what you're keying in on. Um, so something that inevitably happens when I talk to somebody for the first time uh, in a while, like if I haven't seen them in a year, which is everyone right now, uh, the icebreaker is always, so have you written any books lately? And the, the, the I always thought that was a throwaway line. Like they were like, oh, well, he's an author. I'll ask if he's written any books. It's just a thing you do. But from the conversation that follows, they're always surprised to discover it's like, well, when I talked to you last a year ago, uh, yeah, I finished four books since then. And they'll be like, what? Like, yeah, no, this is, this is a job. Like you, you're constantly writing, you're constantly releasing books. That's, that's how you make a living. Uh, you know, so if it's been a year, then yeah, two books, six short stories, two novellas, like I'm going to be putting stuff out constantly and they, they get surprised. The overall view of people outside the author business and anyone who's first getting started is coming in from outside the author business is that an author has maybe five or six novels in them for a lifetime. And that's what it'll take. Like once you've made it and you're an author, you got that first book out, then really that's all you need. And, and you, you know, you just sort of coast and it's just not the case and i'm saying this as the person of this podcast who probably has had the most passive income not in terms of making the most money but being the most passive with most with much of my backlist uh and i've stayed solvent so it's you know relatively possible but i've still put out dozens of books like uh it's it's not a it's a job this is a job just it's an active job yeah, I'm like Kindle Gold Rush. What was that? I, I don't recall that. I think I was not selling very well then. I've only had one series where it kind of things kind of took off, and like it was my Dragon Blood series. The first three books I put into a 99 cent omnibus and made it uh, 99 cents <laughs> and got a book bub. And at that particular omnibus stuck. This was probably like 2014. I, I remember I was it was frustrating because I only had like one more book in the series at that time. So I wasn't really making piles of money off of it. But the first, uh, that 99 cent three books set stayed at like 200 in the Amazon store for like six months. And that was even, I think KDP selected actually started. So it was probably like 2014 beginning of that. And that's like the only thing in my whole career of like, I don't know how many 80, 90 books I've written at this point that has really ever kind of been that like, whoa, it just totally stuck and sold piles. And it was a 99 cent three novel thing. So it wasn't like a full price, anything like that series has done really well for me. I know a few years ago, I calculated it and it made me over a million dollars over the course of just that one series. So it's, it's been a good one for me, but you know, it's not like just if I had stopped right there, like the money would just keep coming in. It's really like your backlist can continue to sell as long as you keep releasing new stuff that sells. And then people will find that new stuff and then they go out and check out your backlist. You know, with traditional publishing, it's not that this doesn't ever happen, but yeah, like Andrew was saying, kind of have to become a classic. Like, and what, who's going to figure out if your book's a classic and suddenly being like the school libraries and part of the curriculum that every poor ninth grader gets forced to read forever after until times change and they decide your book is not like keeping with the times as far as, uh, I don't even know if political correctness is the term anymore. I have no idea, but, uh, tastes change as, as time changes and books that were like classics when we were kids are now being burned for how evil they are and rewritten. So anyway, that's a tangent, but, uh, just to say, 
And I, you know, I think we probably, did you guys have this feeling too? Cause I was pretty sure my first book, the, the Goblin Brothers Adventures, which is became a short collection of short stories that I published, but I was sure I was going to get an agent. They were so cute. They were so wonderful. They were obviously going to become bestsellers. And that was going to be what I did for the rest of my career was write the Goblin Brothers Adventures for, I didn't even know at the time, but middle grade readers is about what it is. But did you guys kind of have that when you got started? You thought, well, probably, probably going to make it in a big way. I mean, I, my, it was really disappointing for me because the key of Kalenia, I did get an agent for it and he did get me contracts for it. And he did have two big movie studio, movie studios, um, fighting over auditioning or not auditioning. I mean, the rights to do a movie. And then when I sm- signed with a small press publisher, all of that went away and none of it came back again. And so I was like this brand new little author, like going through the traditionally published route and all my dreams were coming true. And then all of a sudden they all just crashed. And I still get people saying, Hey, have they ever made your movie yet? And I'm like, ah, no. <laughs> so that was really hard. That was kind of soul crushing, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I had a whole string where I was trying to get the agents, and I was sure it was going to happen. The one of the the second thing I wrote after I wrote the uh, the the actual book of Deacon, the first what will become the first book of the book of Deacon, I wrote a trailer like this will be a movie, <laughs> and I wrote the trailer what what would be in the trailer for the movie, and I still have that written down somewhere where it's like, oh Joe, <laughs> what were you thinking? Yeah, if you can get a legit movie done by a big studio, you probably got a good chance of selling a lot of books uh, going forward. Just had some dogs appear that were out and about all day. It's prime hunting season, hunting <laughs> in my property here in uh, June in Oregon. Okay, you guys are breathing heavy. They're going to hear you on the podcast. You're like stalkers in the background while people are running. Um, so let's just move on. We kind of started on this already, but we've kind of got a list of myths about passive income and authors that you can share with your author friends who are also at a delusional stage in their author career. Uh, you know, just so actually, I think I put this together or I, I started it and we all put up put down things just as kind of to let you all know that we all had these thoughts, you know, and if it's not happening quite how you imagine, it doesn't mean it can't happen or that you're not a success. If you're not like getting 500,000 a year in royalty checks right now. Um, so anyway, first one kind of is just the myth that you can write a book, give it to a publisher and get paid indefinitely. And, you know, like we said, very few books actually take off in, in this kind of way. And, and most of them are just going to be forgotten, especially if the author stops publishing. And another myth, and I had this too when I was doing my workshops, taking years to get that first book finished, is just that writing the book is the hard part. Yeah, unfortunately, it's like a big, it's a big accomplishment. And I told, you know, like I've told you guys, it took me seven years to actually finish a book that was, you know, that I thought, oh, this is good enough to share with other people. I, I feel like, you know, other people are enjoying it and I want to publish it. Uh, but it's not the hard part. It's really only the beginning of the journey as far as then either selling it, you know, either getting a publisher or learning how to market and, and self publish it yourself. And I wanted to say, uh, just to comment on what you just said, the whole writing a book is the, the hard part. Like when I first finished the key of Kalenia, I had a friend who was an editor and we were in this, we worked together and he was like, Oh, the easy part's done now. And I wanted to kill him. I was like, do you have any idea how hard it is to write a book? And if I'd believed him, I think it would have again, crushed my soul for a little while. Um, editing is really hard. Writing the book is the easy part. Editing is harder. And then that's not it. So, I mean, new authors, that's really discouraging, you know, like writing is the easiest part honestly, because it's the part that is creative and it's fun. And then you got to revise it. Then you got to market and get into readers hands. And a lot of people, they don't have the ability to stick to it after they find out that it's not going to sell really, really fast. Anyway, sorry, that was not planned to comment on Lindsay's, but (laughs) I I like that point. Um, Okay. So my first point is if um, my first myth is if a book is good enough, it'll jump high in the charts and stay there. And that is kind of related to what Lindsay was saying. Uh, But that's something that I I still hear all the time. If a book, if a book is good enough, it'll jump high in the charts and stay there. My books have, I've had several books jump really high in the charts, but none of them have stayed up high. And I've made a very decent income from my books over the years. And I'm like, I, I publish odd stuff. I mean, I try to, I'm trying to be a little bit more in tune. I mean, I'm writing romance now romance. You can't really mess it up. I mean, you can, but (laughs) anyway, uh, but like 
my stuff, I found readers. I figured out how to find my readers and I was able to get a, a very good income out of my books that weren't staying high in the charts. And so anyway, so that's, that's a myth right there. And then the next myth is if you write a nonfiction book, it'll sell automatically and get you speaking gigs. And I'm sorry, but that's not true. You actually have to have a platform. You have to have a lot of things set into place. And I mean, that used to be the case back in the old days, you'd write a nonfiction book and then you'd approach publishers, you get speaking gigs, you make a lot of money based on one book. That's not the way it happens anymore. Even, even with nonfiction, I was going to say, but nonfiction is where I'm talking about anyway. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the other myths uh, that I had a real problem with early on was uh, that long tail is a flat plateau. Like you'll often t talk about like, well, don't forget you've got the long tail and long tail is where you're going to make most of your money. And that is true. But the long tail of a book, which is to say the, the earnings you make off of it after the initial big sales spike, uh, it's still a downward trajectory. It's still, they, it's not a, it's not a line. It's a tail. It's ta tapering downward. And if you don't do anything to that long tail, then it will eventually hit zero. Uh, and you know, like, so you can't depend upon even the, 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 you know, the diminished, but fairly steady sales of your best selling book. Uh, if you can live on your long tail right now, that long tail is going to keep going down unless you keep, you know, making new releases to keep it relevant and doing pr promotions on stuff. So just remember that long tail earnings are not a recipe. You know, you, you shouldn't use that as an excuse to neglect uh, all of the things that are author business. And another one is that add-on effects are automatic. The number of people who I've spoken to who assume that publishing a book is the first step to a snowball rolling down a hill that gets you to TV shows and games and movies. So many people think that like, well, your book has been published and therefore all these things are now an option to you and it's just whether or not you choose to do them. Uh, you should make a movie. Is a phrase that I'll get all like, oh yeah, I should, I should get right on that. I don't know why I haven't done that yet. Um, it all takes work and it's none of it is, uh, is, uh, you know, I can't even say that, that it's a foregone conclusion. It remains just as difficult to get any of the additional like major hits off of a book as it was to get that book successful. So, um, yeah, you're, you're hoping that these things will happen, but getting your book published is just the beginning and every single other step is the same effort over again. Yeah. I've definitely had a lot of readers that are like, well, you should probably go to Netflix and have them make this into a series or a movie. I'm like, yeah, that's how it works. I'll just go to them. I'll just show up at their studio and I'm sure they'll see my brilliance and uh, start working on that right away. Um, good point about the long tail thing too. Like I found probably, I think that another ties into another myth that I didn't actually have on my list that people kind of think that your income is just going to always keep going like up into the right, you know, like a, a stock chart, looking at a stock chart over a hundred years or something of the, we were talking about the S and P 500 earlier. Um, but I, you know, I found like probably for the first five years or so that that was true. I kept, you know, getting, uh, more readers each year, and the income probably the first five years kept going up. And then I had like a really big jump that year, actually, that the dragon blood thing was sticking up there in the rankings. I had a big jump that year and then it stayed above that since then, but it, it's definitely been like the last four years. It's kind of been a um, reflection of how many titles I put out in that year, more than like accumulation of backlist titles. And I can't say if everybody has that experience, but it seems like it's always about half of my income comes from the, books published in the last 12 months and half of it comes from the backlist no matter even though the backlist is growing over time things just kind of fall off even you know i'll cycle through run a promotion on the book one every you know i haven't been as lucky about getting book bubs lately but i'll still run stuff free book see you know things to try to keep those older series selling and they do and i you know nothing's dropped off completely and i you know i'll go look and everything's you know selling x number of copies a month and sometimes i will get a book bub or something although that doesn't have nearly as much of a boost for me as it used to on those older backlist titles could just be that they've seen them before. Um, I've also heard people suggest there's, uh, you know, a lot of the sponsorship sites are maybe not as effective as they used to be. But so that's one thing too, that if you're not seeing like your income go up every year, even though you're releasing new books, that's not, 
like we hope for that, but I, I don't think that's very atypical. I, I don't know if you guys want to chime in on that. If you've kind of, I would imagine most authors after, after you kind of reach a certain point, it becomes more of a up and down line. And like I said, it's probably somewhat re reliant on new releases. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's up and down. Like I, that's similar for the first five years or so I, I was, I was having tremendous growth and then I had a sort of a plateau where I had a, almost exactly six figures for like three years in a row. And then I've had, uh, I'm in the midst of a, a, a trend downward, not trend downward. I'm in the midst of a, of a lull, which hopefully is going to be going up as soon as these new books come out. But yeah, it's, it's, it's up and down sometimes ups up number of the downs, uh, and vice versa. Yeah, my ups and downs honestly um, coincided with uh, BookBub features in the early days until I, you know, figured out how to do Facebook ads and stuff like that. And then I, it's even with those big spikes, you know, that were BookBub things, it's it went gradually up and then just I'm just continuing my graph here. <laughs> Got up higher and higher, and then I mean, I kind of plateaued for a while and I wasn't able to break it, you know, great break above the, the, the peak or whatever. Um, and then I decided to have my third child <laughs> and then things went downhill from there. Uh, but they've, they've gone up significantly. Actually, they've, they've doubled again since last summer when, or was it two summers ago, 2019. So I'm, I'm again at a, at a decent position. I'm not in love with it. It's not nearly close to where I was before, but I'm actually doing pretty well right now. So that's been encouraging. So, um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of listeners that it would be like, if I could just, if I could just hit a thousand dollars, if I could hit $500 a month, I mean, it, it'll happen guys. Those, those feel like low points for like lower points past in our past for us as, as authors who have a lot of books out, but reaching that spot does happen. It's very possible. I would say it's much more possible to, you know, hit a couple thousand a month than it is to <laughs> six figures. It's so much more possible guys. <laughs> like they didn't already know that, but I'm, I'm just saying like those, those goals, they do come and they will come for most of our listeners. I would have to say, just keep plugging away, releasing good books, doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. Right. And we're going to be a little more upbeat here in the next part. Cause it's actually, you know, we're you know, it's totally worth having publishing a lot, building up a really good backlist, having multiple series eventually under your belt, because you can do things like, even though I'm like, you know, I don't make as much from those series now that I published eight years ago, they still make money. And, you know, and I can still like, if I ever something happened, I know like I could stop, you know, writing if I had to, or maybe I just lost my muse or something for a year. Although I'm more likely to lose the marketing muse than the writing muse, but you know, and I've seen people that they take a year off for what other health reasons. And maybe they just do a little bit of marketing of the old stuff and they are able to keep some degree of income coming in. So it's not like they totally go to zero necessarily. If you like, especially if you were at a pretty high level, um, you know, and I've certainly also seen people that have had series that like really sold a lot that first year like uh they kept getting picked up for the kindle the prime whatever prime reading and there's just a whole series was like in the top 20 for their subgenre for like months and months things where that does happen those tend to keep selling longer so be thankful if, if you are able to like really get some momentum like that but uh, it's not to say you have to have that happen to keep books selling uh, the more titles you have out there especially with, like evergreen stuff uh the more options you have and you can cycle through with marketing too like if your book one ads for x series are not working that well anymore um, you can turn those ads off and try marketing another series that you haven't marketed for a while and you may find that the ads do better just because people haven't gotten that kind of banner blindness uh, to seeing them all the time um, but yeah, let's go ahead and kind of jump into the how authors can earn semi-passive income. <laughs> we'll talk about that. I have to say that, let me just throw in that the, uh, the inspiration for this show was someone pitching the podcast. They'd written a book about like, I don't remember what it was. I apologize. I don't, I'm sure this person isn't listening because I know we don't take pitches for guests if they did, but the book was like, how I earned all this passive income last year by only writing 12 novels. And it's like, wow, do you think writing 12 novels in a year is passive income? I had a news story for you, right? Come, uh, come work for me. So it's really, you know, it's a lot of work to write the books in the first place. Uh, and then, like I said, to some extent, if you get them selling, they may keep it selling for a while, but boy, that is not passive income. That's uh, not the easiest way to, you know, get things rolling. 
writing books is hard work, guys. But um, on the plus side, now that digital is kind of the, the norm now, the great thing about digital products, we've talked about this before, is they don't cost anything to produce after the initial time, effort, you know, and cost of editing and cover art to put into the product. So even if at some point, maybe you're only selling like five copies of that particular ebook a month, assuming you were able to like sell enough early, you know, early on after the launch or in the first couple of years or whatever, to um, earn back your cost, then everything from that point onward is just money that, you know, it keeps rolling in. Hopefully you're not spending a lot of time on, on like an old series. You know, like we said, we've all been in this for 10 years. So we have stuff now that it's, it's getting pretty old, but um, especially with fiction as long, you know, as long as your content is evergreen, as I call it, meaning it's not going to get dated or even with fiction, if something is dated, it's kind of like, Oh, cute. I've read a romantic contemporary romance from the 1980s. It kind of just turns into a historical romance uh, if enough time passes. And that's a legitimate, you just go into Amazon and be like, this is no longer contemporary romance isn't now a historical romance please enjoy this story set in the 90s um but you know people will continue to read stuff even and fantasy and sci- well actually sci-fi is really easy to uh, date yourself because a lot of things now that are happening in 2020 were not perceived in like sci-fi if you read sci-fi from the 80s <laughs> they never could have like foreseen the iphone right <laughs> all right so you know as long as it's evergreen you build up your backlist and you can continue to sell it with minimal effort you know i do like i said i'll try to get a free book C on my, when my perma free book ones. And then of course, any new release you have that you're working on, you can kind of direct newsletter subscribers to your backlist. Like one thing I do is I've got a four book starter bundle that has four of my fantasy book ones. And I just give that away to everybody who signs up for my fantasy list. Even if they came in on the con- the contemporary fantasy, they're getting my book ones for what's more epic fantasy kind of stuff in steampunk. And so that's something that kind of helps those older series sell. It helps like new fans find them and, and check them out and can kind of keep that stuff selling. And it's really no effort on my part beyond when I originally bundled that up a few years ago and got a cover and now it's just on book funnel. And like I said, it's something they get for free when they sign up. And of course, uh, others have talked about this a lot that if you become somewhat good selling, good selling, well selling, popular, whatever you want to call it. You know, if you become, if you reach some degree of success, you can probably license rights that you're not using uh, that will also kind of bring in income on old products. I think I mentioned I've got like both a French and German translations in the work now with publishers over there for um, like one was the Dragon Blood series, again, an old series for me. Uh, And then uh, the other was a contemporary, the urban fantasy I did last year. So We'll see how those do, but however they do, I got paid for them and I didn't have to do anything except send them the manuscript and the, the cover art. All right, I'll pass it to Andrea for a few more. Okay, my first one is courses. Um, if you're skilled enough in a specific area, you can teach other authors how to do it too. Um, like a book, once a course is put up, you don't have to do it again. And it could be it can be anything. I mean, authors, even my clients who come to me and like, take, take your courses or whatever, you know, they're skilled at craft. If you know how to write a killer beginning, or if you write killer dialogue or something like that, you can actually put courses together on how to do that. And, you know, they don't have to be expensive, you know, $15, $20 or whatever, just having something out there that is semi passive income that is just never have to touch it again. That's something that's, if that's something that interests you, then go ahead and do that. Um, and then using POD for things that have to be physical, like print, if you put, like, if you create a game, like a card game, there's companies that do POD for almost anything. Um, and this means at shirts, merchandise, stuff like that. This means no shipping issues or money exchanges on your end. And the result is some is almost passive income. Um, you do need to be maintaining your business as you know, to have them sell just like everything else, but you can put ads to your print books. I have several author friends who sell almost no eBooks, but are six figure authors on print books. And so, you know, I mean, that's something that you can look into doing and you can, you know, put ads. Yeah. I am struggling with English tonight, guys. (laughs) You can put ads and put ads. Well, I, I was going to too that made me remember, I know Joanna Pence talked about several times that she's done like a uh, large print editions of a lot of her books. It's like a whole another audience of people that, you know, they weren't going to get it before, but now they're like, Oh, that's large print. I'm totally going to get that. It's, it's for me. So yeah. And that's like minimal effort to do that kind of stuff once you've already written the book. Yeah, that's, it's true. And, um, uh, so 
I just want to say earlier, uh, Lindsay mentioned like selling other rights and stuff. Uh, I got a, a, a check for $2,000 that I forgot that I had not yet received my, uh, my translation income. And I was just like, Oh, what's it? What's this about? So every now and then when you, when you've diversified enough, every now and then something truly passive will come along because you just genuinely forgot that it existed and then it comes along. But, um, so once your backlist is long enough, assuming you're doing a good enough job maintaining access to your fans with, uh, with social media and newsletters, you're probably going to attract uh, enough new readers that are familiar with your new stuff, but aren't familiar with your old stuff that you can actually like, double dip your own audience like you know you, you your newsletter's got 500 people on it that joined after the first book the first series concluded just mentioning your already released book to your own newsletter is remarkably effective at giving a little boost to the older books because your audience is going to have some churn some of the people who were fans aren't fans anymore and there's new fans that, that you know so if you've got a long enough backlist and you keep access to your audience, then your own audience starts to cross uh, promote amongst themselves with other things that you've written. And that's impressive uh, to be aware of. And the other thing is uh, the natural evolution of a series produces like low effort, additional products. So once you've got a series, that's more than four books, uh, you can put out a book, uh, a box set and box set is, going to be very, very easy to produce. And then it's just another item that's out there and it's another tool in your toolbox. Uh, so yeah, like the natural effect of producing more books is going to, to add some low effort, uh, additional items. And, and, you know, if you really, really want to plumb the, your, the, your depths, once you get 10 years into your career, you can start putting out anniversary editions and stuff. Like there are ways to, uh, to draw upon your, your previous efforts without duplicating effort and just getting a little bit more out of them. Right. That's like always the kind of thing where I'm like, if I ever get tired of writing, I mean, and it, like I said, it usually goes the other way where I get tired of all the other stuff around publishing, not so much the creating of stories. But yeah, I, I keep that in mind. Like, well, you could, you know, it's, it's not like, um, you've put a lot of effort in, you work really hard, you do accumulate a large backlist. I, I would absolutely say you hopefully will get to a point where you can start coasting a little bit. And I don't mean like phoning it in and writing dumb stories, you know, but like maybe instead of writing six books a year, you're going to write two books a year going forward and you've built up a fan base. Uh, so that at that point you can achieve that. And, you know, you may even get like higher sales on the releasing fewer books if you're putting more effort into them. Um, so it's not like, like, I feel like, I don't know, I I'm tentatively planning for retirement in a few years, just meaning getting to the point where I don't really need to do this anymore. I don't think that I would ever quit, but so that's something you can work for. It's just kind of like starting, you know, I'll talk about this a little more later, but starting a business, eventually you get to the point where you're going to sell it to someone else, or you've made enough from your investments on the side that you don't necessarily need to grind as much uh, day in and day out. Hopefully we get to that with anything artistic. It's not like it's really a guarantee. So you kind of have to probably keep working on the craft stuff. Like, especially if you're not really where you want to be yet, you're not seeing the sales you're, you were hoping to see, uh, you know, and accumulating the fans you were hoping to accumulate, you, you know, you may need to still work on, on that stuff. Although we should all honestly <laughs> continue to try to improve our craft and, and keep working on that stuff. All right. This is last little bit though. Uh, we'll just talk about kind of the challenges just to be aware of, to kind of, to keep things selling. And I, I honestly, that 10 years ago, I, like I said, I never had the real gold rush thing. I never like had a big hit out of the, the gates. Uh, I wasn't, didn't know enough, hadn't written enough to like take advantage of the fact that there was less competition back then. Like I saw it happen to other people like, wow, they sold 250,000 copies of their 99 cent book. I am not selling that many of my fantasy book. Um, but so it's just something to be aware of that things change and we have to kind of continue to adapt and be realistic. Um, challenges right now are there are, there's more competition in the book space every year, ebook space. And with other media being so popular and so cheap streaming stuff right now, it, you know, it's kind of a bit of a question mark, like how much overall the reading market is going to grow for like fiction ebooks. Uh, so we need to be adaptable. Who knows? Maybe we'll all be writing stories that will be 
programmed into virtual reality one day instead of uh, being turned into books that you hold in your hand or read on an e-reader. Uh, we'll see. And then just that something to be aware of that you, newer authors tend not to be aware of as much if it's their kind of their first series or their second series and it just took off last year is that it may not keep selling as well after a while. We've kind of been talking about that today, but you'll probably find that eventually subsequent promo, like you first time you run a 99 cent sale on your book one, you'll probably, it'll probably be pretty good if it's always been 399 or whatever. Second time that 99 cent sale you might do all the same things, but it's not quite as effective because the readers on the sponsorship sites have already seen it. Uh, ad costs have gone up, so you're not able to like get as many clicks and sales. So you may have to write or do a free promo. And then a year later, you may find that to get the same results, you have to do a promo of the books one through three box set. So you tend to find that just things stop working as well after a while for older series. So you may actually have to kind of let them live follow for a while and then work on something else. This is where it's nice when you eventually will have multiple series uh, that if one's just not selling as well as it used to, maybe you can focus on another one for a while and get that selling. But yeah, not everything continues to work as well as it did. And hopefully new, new opportunities will keep coming along. Uh, you know, I, I think that'll be true. We have a lot of, oh, it's always stuff, <laughs> stuff happening, new things, new people finding new ways to sell books. Um, so it's good to keep following, you know, your favorite marketing podcasts and just figure out what people are doing and having some success with in the current year, whatever it is when you happen to listen to this show. All right. I'll pass it to Andrea. Lindsay's like, follow your favorite marketing podcast. Oh, and we're going on hiatus. <laughs> You're going to have to find another favorite marketing podcast. But we'll be back. We just need a little summer break this year. <laughs> okay. So um, my first point here is that life disruptions can upset a good system. So you find the perfect release and promo schedule and a family member passes away or you get ill. Um, these things are almost impossible to plan for and can really upset the cart. Um, but you can like you can't plan for them necessarily, but if you have things in place that they can actually help you work through the thing, these things like, um, an assistant that can, that can help or an automation sequence, you can add an email to that that says, Hey, I'm on hiatus. I won't be answering my emails for a little bit, things like that. Just, um, life disruptions do upset things a little bit, but even, I mean, yeah. People are a lot more forgiving, I think, than we give them credit for. So even if you do have something fall apart, you can always get back in and get going, even if it takes a year or so to catch things up again. Um, and then my next point applies really, really highly to me and to other people who are project people like me. I'm, I am a project person. I like to tackle something that I've never done before and then master it and then move on and never do it again. <laughs> so, uh, and that's why writing books works really well for me because I write a book, I, I master it. And then I don't go back to that same plot and characters ever again. I mean, I do with, you know, series or whatever, but I'm not rewriting that same thing over and over again. So your interest wanes, things that require a bit of work and that do well are really exciting at first, but then they become old and tedious. Um, a lot of us, regardless of how wonderful something is doing, struggle to continue doing it if we dislike it. And this is why getting an assistant is wonderful. Or just if you can't afford an assistant, just like, look at it and be like, how much is this benefiting me? Or, or can, is there a software out there or a company out there that can do it for a small monthly fee? So, and now it's Joe's turn. Um, so one of the challenges you might run into, and this is related to what, uh, uh, Andrew was talking about is uh, a lot of maintaining sales is about maintaining momentum is we've had people talk about it on the show in the past, but there's a, a, a like a sort of a minimum level of sale that you need for organic stuff to really start taking over. And uh, if you have been living at that line where you're like, yeah, my new book releases and stuff are keeping me visible enough that I don't spend too much on advertising. And then some life problem comes along and, and you have to take time off or uh, the trend that you were, that you caught right on the crest starts to, to, you know, wane before you're, you're ready for it. Uh, you can fall off that treadmill and, and suddenly your organic sales tank and, uh, it can be really hard to get that momentum back. So that's one of the, that's a major challenge that I, I would say, uh, I ran into a couple of times. Uh, and another one is market trends tend to cause significant shifts in the expectations for consumers. Like you can put together an entire plan that works perfectly. And this is the price that everyone is willing to pay. And this is the release schedule that people are willing to, you know, accept. And here's the stores that I can sell on that they'll want me to be. 
And then something can come along that can completely change the way the business works. And suddenly you have to, you know, completely change the way your business works in order to get back to where you were. So, you know, it, it, it more than like Lindsay mentioned in any artistic endeavor, this is the case, but also in any business endeavor, things can change. So fundamentally, you sort of have to stay on your toes, even once you have a working system, because the system itself can alter. Yeah, a good example of that was when Amazon Kindle Unlimited came along. <laughs> it's like, we were all doing great. We were all wide. Why would anybody be exclusive? And then they were like, hey, you need to be exclusive if you want to have your books in this Kindle Unlimited thing. And, you know, for the first year or two, I, I didn't do the KDP selecting. Like the first year or two, it wasn't even Kindle Unlimited. It was just, you got like this couple of free days a quarter. And I don't know, I think you've got a boost or something on some of the promos, but you know, I, I had to like make the choice in like 2016, am I going to continue to ignore this and stay wide with everything? Or I'm going to try releasing some things and doing a little bit of a pivot. Cause I definitely seen that it was harder and harder to get a new release to sell as well as it had been for me on Amazon uh, after, you know, a year or two into Kindle Unlimited. So, you know, it, control wrench in the system, you kind of have to, you know, and it's perfectly fine if you decide I'm not going to change for the changing times. You know, I'm not going to make a long book just because Audible sells mostly credits to people that, you know, want the really good deal. Um, but sometimes if you're too stubborn, you know, you might have to accept that you're not going to have as good of results as you might've had if you were willing to be a little more flexible and with changing times. And I'm sure Amazon or somebody else will throw another wrench in things in the next few years and we'll all have to adapt or, or choose not to. <laughs> so it is a, it is a passive income, I guess, to bring it back to the main topic of the show is possible to some extent on, on stuff you've already written, but it's a little bit, misleading to think that stuff that you wrote years ago is just going to keep selling in large amounts if you're not doing anything to like try to continue to market it or you know so i guess we should just wrap up with some final thoughts on this since we've been rambling on this subject now for a little while so just kind of answer the initial question that we you know had is like can you do will you get a lot of passive income as an author will you sell write the one book that means you never have to work again. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. There's certainly been people who have had, like they get the movie deal, you know, they have that tremendous success and then they just make enough right away that they can just invest it and uh, don't have to work again. But super rare, you know, I think you're going to be setting yourself up for disappointment if you're trying to hope for that. So I think it's better just to think of your author career as a business rather than some kind of set it and forget it fantasy where you're just going to stop working and keep getting money indefinitely. Since you're not trading hours for dollars, you do have the opportunity to make a lot more than someone who's getting paid by the hour. But on the flip side, you can make a lot less than that person too. Your first book could flop. It might not make back the you know money you spend on editing and the time you put into it for sure. Like other businesses, there are no guarantees. You're not entitled to an income just because you put your time in this time into this. And I think a lot of authors feel that way. They come out, they like, I spent this five years to write this book. I should it be entitled to at least minimum wage or, or whatever they feel they deserve, but it doesn't really work like that. You gotta, it's like a business, you know, build it and there it comes. No, you gotta like build it and then advertise the heck out of it, market it, make something really good that people want. And, and then the snowball starts getting rolling. Um, but if you do get to that point and you start having some really good months, that that's an opportunity to put the extra money away into investments that genuinely can bring in passive income and that will grow over time. Most retirement plans are based on the idea of you like giving a certain X amount in investments by the time you want to retire and then drawing down the principal by 4% a year or whatever it is. And if you get enough invested, you know, you can do that. And then some, like, you know, if you are able to put away extra money beyond what you would have maybe before when you were a salaried employee and not necessarily killing it with your salary so that, you know, you can retire early. That is an achievable goal to hope for. And maybe also leave it, you know, leave behind generational wealth. Uh, people always have that goal. Although, I don't know, kids that get generational wealth handed to them always end up being complete jerks. So I don't know. I think you should probably donate it. That's just my opinion. Uh, you do whatever you want with what you earn. Uh, but, um, you know, we did talk about too, like the S&P 500 investing that million dollars and only getting like 1.3% in dividend income right now. But, 
you know, you'll always hear the stats that it also increases in value over time. And historically, like the S&P 500 index has increased in value about 8% a year. So at 8%, your initial investment doubles every nine years. So if you work hard, sock enough away, and are willing to wait, you know, that's always the hard part, waiting for money to compound. It is completely totally a thing and viable to maybe, I don't know how old you are when you're listening to this. If you're already retired, you may not <laughs> be trying to make millions from your author income this year. But you know, if you're younger, uh, like I wasn't that smart about investing in my twenties. So I'm always envious of those people who are like really on the ball and, and getting in early because they have the longest time for investment income to keep compounding and really grow into something big. But you, uh, you know, when you're doing a business, you can certainly, uh, find work hard, find success and make it happen. I just would not Believe, you know, get over the fact that it's going to be passive income. At least your writing income is, is probably not going to be that way. You're probably going to always have to put some effort even into those older books you've already finished if you want to keep them selling. Which is such a wonderful thought, honestly. I'm, and I'm not even being sarcastic about that because this is, this is something where we actually have control over what happens with our books. If they're not selling, we have the ability to go, why are they not selling? To look at the cover and the description and all of that. It's not like, you know, back in the old days where your book wouldn't sell and that was the end of your career. We actually have the ability to do something about it. And that, honestly, my closing thought is kind of like, it's similar to Lindsay's, but it's also something that's been on my mind a lot lately over the last um, I don't know, 10 years. <laughs> it's, it's crazy to me that authors feel like they're the exception to every, every business rule. I mean, it's, it's just crazy to me. Um, and so I see authors that I don't know this. Yeah. Okay. So one of the biggest mistakes I see authors especially make is they get angry when their content, when their books don't go big, when they think it should. Um, and when I was like, I, I don't know, like this applies to a whole bunch of people. It doesn't just apply to authors. So it's not like I'm picking on authors, you know, but I mean like YouTube people who put up videos and singers and clothes designers and illustrators, pretty much any field, honestly, even contract workers. Like if, if you're only putting a little in, a, in a effort in things are not going to actually, they're not going to ever happen. Um, and so sometimes you get people who, Ooh, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> my microphone. <laughs> that was violent. Sorry. Now I'm going to get the giggles. <laughs> okay. Calm down, Andrea. Okay. Um, okay. So people only put a little effort in They're They're thinking innocently that it was good enough. And so, you know, this applies to a lot of the beginner authors. They're like, wow, I, I put a lot of work in and I did a really good job. And, and it's because they don't have experience. They haven't been exposed to a lot of things that show them they could actually do better. Um, and then there's other people where they're not actually researching success, successful competitors and, and trying to match step by step by step by step what those individuals and companies did. And those are the, those are honestly, the majority of people there, they don't recognize that what they're doing will not lead them to success because they don't know what the path to success is. They recognize that what they're doing is not working. Um, and then there's another group of people who are arrogant enough to think that they couldn't possibly do better. And I've been in that, in that group before. And I think that a lot of authors have, if we're honest with ourselves, um, where they're like, I'm doing good. My books are great. My covers are great. Why aren't they selling? It's the reader's fault. Um, it's not, it's not the reader's fault. And, and this is me talking to myself, like recognizing that you can't blame people who don't know your big book exists for not reading your book. And you can't blame, blame people who don't read your market for not reading your book. Um, anyway, so this falls into what I'm going to say next. If you're, if you are not working hard and smart, you're not going to be successful. So you, a lot of authors are very hard workers. They, they put in the hours to write those books, but they don't necessarily put in the hours to become smart at, at, um, being an author. Uh, if you aren't willing to study those in your area who are successful and see what they did to get there and then be willing to work harder than you've ever worked before, you probably don't deserve success. And I know that that's kind of a harsh thing to say, but honest, it's true. Like if you're not willing to do what it takes to be successful, then you're not going to be successful. Um, anyway, so success requires hard work, but it also requires smart work. And I feel like it's kind of important for me to say right now, yes, I know my books aren't doing really, really well right now, but I recognize that. And I know why they're not doing well. And it's not something I'm willing to change right now because I am a mom and an, and a wife first and my life, my success is not going to change until I get to the point where my kids are a little bit older and are more independent. And those of you listening, I know there are several of you who are in a similar, similar position, just things are not always going to be the way they are right now. And this is, I always get this all the time. Um, 
cherish your children right now because they're not going to always be little. And so things will get better for you. And if you're having health problems, you know, I mean, things, things can get better. Things will get better as you learn how to work around those kinds of things. Um, from my vantage point and helping authors go from, you know, zero cells up to six figures and even seven figures in one or two cases, um, only people have learned what it takes to get their content out there who are consistent and who consistent and who deliver what consumers want to see success. Uh, if you're diligent, if you're a hard worker and a smart worker, you will eventually see success. Um, anyway, but I've, I've had a bunch of people actually, it's kind of crazy, like 10, 15 listeners reach out to me over the last couple of weeks, wanting to know if I'm taking on new clients. I'm not really taking on new clients right now. Um, what I've been doing, and I just kind of want to make sure that the right information is out there because I think something somewhere, somebody's spreading gossip about me guys, <laughs> not gossip, obviously, but I just want to make sure I told them about what you did last weekend. So sorry. <laughs> Lindsay rude. <laughs> anyway, I just want to make sure that the correct information is out there. Um, I am not taking on new clients. Uh, I, I possibly would, but right now, you know, with us moving everything, I can, I can take on new clients, but not until we've settled, but I am open to a one hour, $50 Skype call where I, where I look at your books beforehand and I analyze covers and descriptions and things like that, just to see what might be holding you back. And then during that one hour, like Skype call or whatever, um, I go over what I discover and then help you figure out what your goals should be moving forward. Um, Anyway, and then also because summer's right around the corner by the time this podcast, I think this episode's going live like just a couple days before, um, before summer hits officially, uh, I decided to do another 50% off discord discount code for my courses, my marketing courses. I've got, um, you know, ones on automation sequences and advanced newsletter marketing, things like that. Um, go to selfpublishedstrongcourses.com and use coupon code summer 21 to get 50% off of my courses. And that will be good for the next few months. And, um, yeah, so that's pretty much it for me. Happy, happy summer and happy writing everybody. And uh, as for me, uh, we've touched on this a bit, but something that's confusing about the author income, and it tends to be the case for uh, a lot of what can be considered just uh, content creation, like you know YouTube and, and, and anything else like that, is that there's no one-to-one -one relationship between work and return. Uh, it's like, I, I talk about it lots of times comparing it to digging a hole. If, if it's your job to dig a trench and you know that you can dig about a foot an hour, then eight hours, you'll have eight feet of trench and you know how much it'll, yeah, how long it'll take to finish the trench that you're trying to dig and you know how much money you'll earn for digging that trench. And unless the weather or health get in the way, that can be relied upon. That is a, a set thing that exists. Uh, when you're writing, you can't rely on any of that. Uh, I could spend a week writing a story and add 20,000 words to that story, and I won't be even appreciably closer to the end of the plot. I'll have made the book longer without actually getting closer to the end. Uh, I can shovel eight hours of A-B testing and asset creation into an ad and then start funneling hundreds of dollars a day into it and not get a single sale or click through, even though an identical ad to that worked the previous month. Like These are, these are things that can and have happened. Uh, alternatively, uh, I can spend that same week writing a story and end up 50,000 word plot that's complete and then put a cover on it, publish it, never run an ad and start making $10,000 a month for a year just because it got swept up in the algorithm or, or you know, a, a similar book came out and started a trend and mine was the next one on the list when people started searching or a blog mentioned it. So it can be frustrating and confusing, especially if you're the kind of person who got lucky in the beginning and had one of those algorithmic events happen and then can't replicate it because you didn't realize you weren't in control. So uh, it's it's just a, a confounding career. So people can be under, you can understand why people would have misconceptions about it. So when I try to talk about passive income or things like that, um, being an author is a little bit like being a plate spinner. Things can keep going for a while. Uh, but if you're not running around giving them a push when they need it, pretty soon you're going to be surrounded by broken glass and have a disappointed audience. So uh, that makes that makes things feel a little bit harsh and, and fatalistic, but it's important to realize that unless you win the lottery with a perennial, perennial favorite, uh, you're going to be working on your craft and you're going to be working on promotion for the length of your career. And that's what every person who works in any career does is continues to work on it from beginning to end. So you're really no different in that regard. So just, just keep that in mind and, and, and keep your nose to the grindstone. 
Yeah, I, I'm always kind of envious when somebody says their first book sold piles. <laughs> I'm like, really? I didn't have that experience. But I don't know. Sometimes I think that maybe it's better to have had that kind of gradual stair stepping up so you never had like really big expectations and everything was just like, yes, it's getting better. I can do this. Um, but I don't know. I'm sure I wouldn't have objected uh, if the first book sold piles either. But uh, wherever you are in your author career, hopefully... We've given you a little hope that uh, there's possibility to get semi-passive income going forward as an author. There are ways to make money. It can, like a business, it can take off and do really well for you. And um, yeah, but the just kind of plan to whenever you have the good months, you know, like I, everybody always wants to quit their day job right away, which is understandable if you've got a rough day job. But if you keep working at your day job for a while and just sock all that extra money you're making inside into investments, it's probably the smartest thing you can do if you want to be set for life. Um, but easier said than done, I know. Um, good luck to you all. Have a great summer. Andrea, what was it again? Self-publishing, self-publishedstrongcourses.com. Self Coupon code summer21. Strongcourses.com. Yes. <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes if people want to check it. out your courses. Uh, how do they find you for the Skype call if they're interested? Um, email me, um, Andrea at selfpublishedstrong.com or AP at andreapearsonbooks.com. I, I check the andreapearsonbooks.com one more frequently. <laughs> All right. Uh, good luck with your move and good luck to everyone this summer. Hope you have an awesome one. Thank you for listening and thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. You can find the show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. And like I said, we'll try to get together in July to do a live stream Q&A. So watch the Facebook group. We'll let you know like a week ahead of time before we do that. Uh, have a great summer, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. So long, everybody. <laughs>